Uh, right now, though, we talked yesterday um, with Minister Dimitrios Nicolaitis of uh, the Alberta government, the Minister of Advanced Education, talking about the new plan to um, increase the number of seats in what they call bridging programs at places like Mount Royal and Northwest College. Um, basically, what it is for international nurses to come here and take some sort of um, education training in order to um, attain Alberta certification to work as a nurse, right? So this is increasing their training or whatever the case may be. This all, you know, money for them to come and do that living expenses tuition. And I think we've talked a lot about how the shortage that we have in labor, that was specifically about healthcare, but it touches all sectors, right? Um, we focus on healthcare for good reason, but we've also talked before about the construction industry and the shortages that they have. Uh, we've also talked about hospitality industry, all the issues that they've been facing over the years. Um, it's everywhere. We just don't have enough people and it's not going to get any better internally. You know, the conversations we've had about the silver tsunami, right? Where um, as a country, it's here. We've talked about it for a long time. Well, guess what? It's it's now arrived, which means we're producing more retirees than we are new workers. We're just not replacing the workforce through our own population. Um, so the focus has fallen to immigration, and that is a priority for government, right? Um, millions of people from around the world to try and help us make up the shortfall. A million and a half in the next three years. That's the goal from the federal government. But the latest stats can info on permanent residents shows that, you know what, we got some issues around that too. Um, because a lot of these people who are arriving here and becoming permanent residents don't take the next step and become citizens. There's a big, big downward trend in that. So let's have a conversation about what's going on there and why that might be. We're going to speak with Daniel Bernard, who is a, um, the CEO with the Institute for Canadian Citizenship. Daniel, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. So it's kind of interesting. It turns out these days, I guess the overall headline here is newcomers to Canada who are in the position to become, you know, citizens. They've gone through permanent residency. They're saying, yeah, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. The majority of them at this point, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, in 2001, 75% of permanent residents became citizens within 10 years. In 2021, that number had dropped to 45% who became citizens within 10 years. So we've seen a long-term and consistent decline in the market value of becoming Canadian. I think this says a lot about newcomers' experience in the country. Yeah. But I think more than that, it says a lot about Canada and, you know, calls into question a few really central tenets of the Canadian identity. We need to really look hard in the mirror and ask ourselves why it is that people are second-guessing their decision to move to Canada and what we can do to fix that because our our past has been built on this engine of renewal mm -hmm. and our future will be built on it as well. And I want to get to those reasons in just a second, but I had a, I had a question and I'm not sure if you know the answer. The people who are permanent residents but don't opt for citizenship, what does that mean? Does that mean they leave? Can they stay as permanent residents and just not take the final step? I mean, what does that mean in terms of their involvement in Canada? Um, that's a good question. It's actually an answer that I don't have for you, but we are currently investigating. I mean, permanent residence is, <laughs> it's permanent. So you, yeah, you can, yeah. you can stay, uh, forever, uh, that way. Um, but we don't know yet how many are just sticking it out with PR and how many are, are leaving. And for those who leave, are they going back to the country of origin? Are they going somewhere else? We're in the process of looking into that. Awesome. Uh, uh, but overall, as we said, if you go back just uh, 10, 15 years, you can see a very clear downward trend in the number of people that are opting for citizenship. You say that reflects what's going on in our country. What do you think is going on? What, wh why do you think that's happening? Well, I think the first thing to recognize is that the type of people who are coming to the country has changed a lot. I mean, you were talking in your lead-in about 
nurses and you know other uh, skilled professionals and and you know we need every single one that we can to to come here and to contribute um but that's very different when my parents came to canada in the 1970s they spoke very little english they uh one had a high school degree one didn't have a high school degree and so they didn't mind you know working um entry-level jobs and and working their way up they they fit that proverbial narrative of you know coming with five dollars in your pocket and working hard etc etc well you know people coming today are are way uh, more valuable than my family was they've got advanced degrees some of them bring money with them um they were skilled executives they have a lot more to contribute and our narrative about who an immigrant is has not kept up with that reality. And therefore, it's no surprise that the opportunities that are available to these people also haven't, haven't kept up with that reality. And they're telling us they've got choices. Uh, so if Canada wants to continue to build on this legacy of welcome, like for hundreds of years, I mean, this is a tradition we've inherited from Indigenous people and it's succeeded until today. We've told people, don't just come here, but become Canadians. Build your family, build your business, build your future here. No matter where you come from, this is the place of your future. If that engine of renewal breaks down, we have some serious issues economically, like mm-hmm. you raised, but also socially, culturally, politically, um, in, you know, athletics, in every domain of society, immigrants bring new talent and energy and ideas and perspectives. That's how it's always been. If we can't keep that the case, Canada's got a big problem coming. So, I mean, when we talk about this, like you're right, we're, we're always advertising and saying we need skilled workers. And we, but we, then we also have the other narrative where a lot of these skilled workers arrive here and want to work in whatever field they're well-educated and experienced in, and it can't happen, or it happens very, very slowly, and it costs a ton of money. I mean, where do you see the barriers to, um, you know, what we're doing to, to make like a better experience for the people who do come here? I mean, there are a number of them, you know, in the regulated professions like doctors and nurses, you know, there's there's barriers in terms of the the colleges, the professional colleges. There's there's government barriers. I mean, you know, a lot of this, I think, ultimately, no matter which province you're in, just comes down to money. Like the governments just don't want to hire more people in healthcare. Um, So so there's there's that. But of course, this is this is crazy. This is stupid. Like we're in the middle of a full-blown healthcare emergency across the country. We've got all these people who are saying, put me in, coach. I've got the skills. I want to play. And and we're saying, no, thanks, while the lineups, you know, go out of emergency rooms. Like, I mean, that's just, it's insane. But there, there's this other sector of the economy as well. Journalists, marketing managers, communications people, HR people, you know, people with other types of skills. And I think that one thing that Canada can do, and this is a role that employers can play, it's not just government, is to say, Am I am I equipped to actually understand what it is that these people are proposing to bring me? I think that we we need to work harder to understand what universities they come from, get a sense of the, the types of companies they come from. Like there are billion dollar companies from the Philippines that you've never heard of, but people who were senior there have a lot to contribute. Is it on them to tell us? Well, if we're saying that there's a labor shortage, maybe it's on us to find out. So I think we can all play our part. In making Canada more welcoming, and there's a social aspect is the last the last thing. You know, we have a program through our organization called the Canoe Access Pass. It gives new immigrants free entry to over 1,400 national and provincial parks, science centers, museums, galleries for a family of five. Why? So you can have fun here. So Canada is an easy place to love and a tough place to leave. Each of us as neighbors can do the same thing. You know, welcome people, say hi to them. If they like swimming and you go swimming, bring them along. Um, 
each one of us has our role to play because it's our collective future that's at stake. This is not just about how immigrants experience Canada. This is about the future of our country. We all have a share and an interest in getting this right. Sounds almost like a, a, we need a, a a shift in the way we view the entire situation in terms of we really need to recognize how important an asset, how valuable uh, immigration is going to be to us as a society, as an economy, as all those things that you mentioned. We need to we need to put more value on this, and I don't think a lot of people do. To be fair, yeah, I think that's right, and we have in the past, you know. Um, in, in 1904, Prime Minister Laurier gave a speech, um, in Edmonton, actually. Um, and he said, look, the next generation, the next century will be Canada's century because people from around the world will come and build their homes here as Canadians. And, you know, we used to give people farms when they would arrive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we, we were trying to invite them here and attract them here and give them something that can get started. So, We've done this before and we can do it again. It's in our DNA. It's in the soil. I mean, this is a, this is a tradition that we've inherited from indigenous people who have welcomed, you know, newcomers to this country, to this land for a long, long time. And thankfully that's survived in the modern Canadian identity. We know what it takes. We just got to get serious about it. And it touches government, economy, civil society and private life. Each of us can play our role. Um, But I think it starts by recognizing that not all is well in paradise. It's not just all sunshine and lollipops. Newcomers aren't just happy to be here because they have no other choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, But the other side of that is if these people do have other choices and we can convince them to say, wow, Canada, like imagine the power that Canada can develop. Um, if we can, if we can just make right on this promise that we've, that we've built up over so many years. So the potential is still, is still there, and I remain optimistic. What is it saying, uh, to the international community about Canada, though? Has that effect been measured at all? Is there any way of knowing? I mean, I've always thought that Canada was like, you know, one of the ultimate top destinations for people looking to, to seek a better life in a new country. Canada's top of the list. Has that changed? I mean, if we're, if we have people who are not opting for citizenship or is the, you know, if it, is there a negative light that we're seeing from, from immigrants here? And is that spreading to international communities are saying, you know what, maybe Canada isn't the place I want to go? I think it is changing, and you're right that there's a threat. Look, so far, the numbers suggest there's still a large volume of people who want to come here. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the problem is happening after they, after they arrive. But, yeah, you're right. Like, they have family members. They have friends um, who, who could be the next generation of immigrants, and what story are they, are they sharing back? I mean, international students is a perfect example. You know, we ask international students to come here with $25,000 in cash. They have to deposit in a GIC in a bank account. And we're asking these people who come from countries where like the average income is $2,000, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the, we're getting like the cream of the right, crop, yeah. like the, the wealthiest, top, most exclusive people in those societies who are coming here. They have a lot of influence in those places. Enough of them start having bad experiences and immigration preferences could shift. Other countries are catching up. Australia is catching up, you know. So um, I think that we just need to be cognizant of the fact that we are in a global competition for talent. We have a lot of advantages that we're working with, and it's still on average, a great place to come. A lot of people are becoming citizens. I hope that we can welcome so many more people to continue this long heritage of citizenship that makes Canada, Canada. But it's not going to do it. You know, the work won't do itself. And, um, you know, we got we to gotta get with it. So that's what the Institute is doing. That's what our organization does. And that's what our Canoe Path does. And, you know, I'd encourage any of your listeners who have friends who are newcomers or who are newcomers themselves, download Canoe, C-A-N-O-O. It's free. 
Um, you can you can really enjoy these benefits. And if you own a business or or run a cultural organization, and you want to contribute to the Welcome Network, you want to put your values into action. Give us a call. We'd be happy to offer um, any any deals or benefits you want to give to newcomers through our platform. It's an easy way uh, for you to put your 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 mouth is in that sense to, to put your values into action so we're doing whatever we can to mobilize Canada because there's one last thing that i want to say that canada really has going for it it's goodwill mm-hmm. public opinion polls show repeatedly whether you vote conservative liberal NDP, no matter what um canadians support immigration we believe in the importance of this we are a welcoming people in our hearts the question is, is how to turn that into a reality for newcomers and that's where the work is important and that's what i spend my days doing uh daniel last one i'll let you go and it's just uh, because i got a bunch of texts from people saying that um they're permanent residents and they haven't opted for citizenships because one it's expensive and it's a lot of work it's not worth it i mean has there been any talk around making that final step a little bit easier is that something you hear yeah it's definitely part of the mix right uh it's definitely part of it the, the cost of application and the whole process and COVID has made the delays harder. But I gotta say, this is a, um, this is a, a decline that we've observed over 20 years. Um, before the costs went up, before the pandemic stalled the applications, you know, it, 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 uh, covers conservative and liberal governments. Like it's a, it's a, it's bigger than that. That's a factor, but it's bigger than that. Okay. And, um, so, you know, this is one thing that government can do, obviously, but the rest of us also have our role to play. And I think if we pin it all on government and say, Fix the fees, fix the process, and everything will be will be better. I think that's lazy, and we're being naive. Um, it's part of the solution, but it's not the whole thing. Gotcha. Excellent. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.